0: So, uh, welcome back to the first Victory Wednesday, is that a thing? Uh, DeCipio Bears podcast in more than a month. That's how long it had been since the Bears had won a game, but they did win a game, apparently. Um, the NFL is going to count it as a win on, uh, on Sunday. And so here to help me recap that and look ahead to uh, a Sunday night tilt. With the Rams, our our usual suspects, Kyle Morris and Mike Donahue. Guys, how are you doing? Uh,
1: been doing, you know. But I guess better than better than previous weeks. But you know, For, it, it's yeah, a low bar.
2: First Bears Wednesday victory, Wednesdays in 41 days, I believe. If you want to put a number I've, on? I've,
1: I believe before Sunday, someone mentioned that the White Sox had won a game more recently than the Bears. So oh. that's, yeah, <laughs> that's where we were at. You know, and it's kind of sad because uh, Mitch threw for 173 yards. He took five sacks, uh all, all of them on third down, and let the Lions back into the game. And, like, I couldn't disagree with everyone who was nonetheless celebrating because it was the best he's looked at all year. So you know
2: that's where we're at. So I'm finding that the one thing that I'm hanging my hat on and you have to find something, right? You can't be you know, you can't be 100% <laughs> cynical about that game. 99% maybe is it's like we went through a wormhole at the very end of the second quarter. Let's say let's say on the fourth and one from their 29 where they just completely do nothing for an entire half, just like they have from you know the week before, most of the season. And then Nagy with a ballsy call to go for it and fourth and one deep in his own territory, they get it. And then from like that point, we're like shooting through this wormhole, and we enter this sort of paradise where for the next fifteen game minutes every play was forward, and they they, they just kept marching down the field. It was like, oh my god, that's right. You know, I think we had maybe maybe had a similar sequence in Washington for a quarter. I mean, that's it for the season, but in that time, it was euphoria, and then as soon as that occurred, it was like, boom, we get spit out on the other end, and we're back to three and out, three and out.
1: Yeah, they really, they yeah, they scored three touchdowns in the second quarter against the, against Washington, and they scored, you know, three or, yeah, the Three touchdowns. Mostly and, uh, I mean one at the, the very
2: end of the half.
1: Yeah. Against the Lions. Big... they haven't they've yet to sustain off uh, they've yet to sustain offense for a full game. I mean, did they, they, they even reach th- three hundred yards
0: in this No. I, I know that's I
1: been the benchmark that they, they, yeah, they've, they've, they've been after trouble clearing.
0: They already did it once this year. Don't need to do it again. They checked that box. Yeah. They're fine. That's enough. Yeah. So the old the old Neg head, uh Matt Neggy. Um Declared today that Mitch played four good quarters. That's what he said, which is a lie. Um, the Bears were competent on offense for about nine minutes on Sunday. They that all it was? They got the ball with 440 to go in the half, went 76 yards, scored a touchdown, got the kickoff to start the third quarter, went 54 yards, scored a touchdown. Then um, they had that uh, the three-play 25-yard drive. Uh, and that was it they did they're this is the final five times they had the ball with a chance to just put the game away they gained 8 yards 22 yards and then this is a great final three 7 yards 1 yard 8 yards so great job guys woo, woo. they pretty much gained all of their yards in those three drives where they scored touchdowns
2: yeah and well, the head is <laughs> important did 226 all day so more than half were accumulated in those three drives.
0: But apparently, yeah, as totally. long as as long as Mitch doesn't, uh, you know, fall down and fumble on you know, every play, it's progress. So that's great.
1: Yeah, it's a it's All right. definitely a, a real low, a real low bar. I mean, some, some people were, and I will admit, Mitch. Uh, it was one of the even in, i would actually say it was better than the the washington game anyways cuz the washington game he he just had a ton of easy completions they didn't throw anything more than 10 yards this was the first game where i felt like he actually threw with some confidence downfield i mean but you know you can have that confidence against the lions secondary i don't know if that really will carry forward but i mean it is the first time that i actually felt like he took some shots downfield just of his own initiative uh, and and delivered on that. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, and, and, I mean, that Lions team is not good to begin with, but is totally a champion. So I'm not really sure where uh, they go from here. I think, granted, the Rams team is also a walking match unit.
2: But, well, uh, that, that yeah. We, we could really uh, delay this, uh, <laughs> this post-mortem. With a series of suddenly uh, mortal teams, right? I mean, a month ago, I think the Rams was. Well, of course, a month ago we thought the Bears were flying high. We thought that'd be a matchup of two strong teams. And dare we dream that that is a winnable game? I don't want to jump the gun and start talking about next week, but it does sort of flow in.
1: I mean, if you think things are, if you think it's depressing to look at the Bears and Mitch Trubisky. Imagine if you've given him a hundred and sixty million dollars before
0: the year. And you're looking at the Rams and Jared Goff.
1: Because and I, 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 pointed this out. I pointed this out before the season. I mean, I've been pointing out towards the in, in the playoffs last year that Jared Goff had not. And and uh, Bears fans like to give the Bears credit because his worst game was against the Bears last year. But actually, it, it was the Lions last year that figured. That figured McVay's offense out first They just didn't have the defense to, to actually finish the job But if you look The Lions did a lot of the stuff that the Bears Would do um, To much greater effect in their game They they were the first team to figure out That if you just fucking ignore that that Jet sweep guy That McVay sends on every play Because he never hands him the ball You can just fucking ignore it Don't send a guy along with him Don't don't change out of your thing and give golf an easy read You can just ignore that guy you can really cut a lot of what what they're trying to do to simplify golf out of the picture. Golf doesn't know where to go with the ball. The Lions started that, and so from the Lions game on through the Super Bowl, there was about ten games there where golf had a passer rating of like seventy four. And I said, "I'm like that's that's longer than just a, a little bit of a slump," and it's continued all through this year. I mean, it was the th- the very thing that made. Sean McVay, the perfect coach for Goff when he first took over, and it's that Goff or McVay uses the same personnel on ninety six percent of his plays, or at least he did. You know, it was all about doing things simply, simplifying the reads, going you know going fast, going hard. That can work for a while. The, the same way it worked for Chip Kelly when he first came to the NFL, but eventually in the NFL, if if you're if everything you do is just based off of, you know, simplicity and speed, eventually they're going to find a way to counter that. Because they, all they have to do now is use off. Don't ever let him have his first read. And it's the same playbook you have against Mitch. Don't ever let him have his first read. So make him think, and he becomes very average very fast. And, you know, in the Bears' case, at least they I think they know pretty definitively they don't have their guy before they actually would have made it. But... You know, the Rams, they're at salary cap hell going forward because they –
2: Kyle, you're getting my hopes up. Well, I don't know how well it bodes for
1: this Sunday because, I mean, it's a it's a real, you know, in the land of the blind kind of thing. I don't know who – the Bears, I, I hope at this point, still have the a defense that can embarrass Goff more than Mitch embarrasses himself. But I would never bet against Mitch in that department at this point.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, this is the stretch if you're going to – You know, give false hope to the fans. It's (laughs) Lions, Rams, Giants, Lions. Then Cowboys, Packers, Chiefs, Vikings. So that gets gets a little ugly at the end.
1: Um, That sounds like a run to a nice run to what? Eight and five before finishing eight and eight? That sounds about right. That sounds pretty bears.
0: Just when you think you're
2: out, they pretend they're going to pull you back in. I don't know if they actually play it back yet or not. Yeah, it's hard to just because they won. Obviously, it's hard to you know really be that optimistic. I'm I'm looking for something, and all like like I said, all I can hang my hat on are those three drives. <laughs> it's such it's such crumbs, but who knows? Crazy things happen. A lot of teams got upset last week. Who knows if Kansas City's going to be struggling in a month? I mean, I doubt it, but you know, at least we're here. I mean, hey, that- go ahead.
1: I mean, Kansas City's struggling now. I mean, they. Well, and unfortunately, it's one of those those games where their defense is so bad. But I just with Mitch, sometimes it really doesn't matter how bad the opposing defense is. Lord knows he can have as many open receivers as he as you as you want. He's he's not always gonna find them, but you know anything could happen there. The only game I'm you know left on the slate that I would. I probably wouldn't give them any chance on is the game in Lambo just because Mike. Benton.
2: What about but not not Minnesota? Uh, I mean, they, they really embarrass. I
1: mean, I know Minnesota's looked good ever since then, but they really thoroughly embarrassed the shit out of that Vikings offensive the line. The last two really times like,
2: they've played him. I, that, that might just yeah, be I, Matt Nagy's team that he can beat.
1: Yeah, I don't know. But I feel like that doesn't just go away. But I guess we'll have to
0: see. Well, and like we talked about last week, they could depending on the Vikings' record on the last game, they may the Bears may go in and
2: not even have to play, you know, the starters, which so they may win said, by also, default, right? Or but as you actually suggested, would, would probably work against them because they wouldn't have Cousins out there. Yeah, they should insist
0: that Cousins play even if the Vikings yeah. have a playoff spot wrapped up. No, let's, we want Kirk. You need the So should, while I should play him,
2: <laughs> well, it is hard to find genuine optimism. You all did see the, was it Sunday night or Monday night graphic? Or here's some people goofing on it where they put up the playoff picture.
0: Yeah. They had the bears and
2: in it. It's week nine, man. The bears were there four and five. They're the only four and five team in the NFC. Yes.
0: Only three games out
2: of a playoff spot, so that's no problem. Only three out of a playoff spot—is that right? Is that what the Ooh, four isn't that five, right? That that's the not...
0: wild card teams were no, it must just be two.
2: Wild card teams oh, were get...
0: seven and three, so the Bears would be two. Yeah. out. Oh, that's doable.
2: <clears throat> yeah, there are two. There they go. Two two wild cards, right? Isn't it? Yeah, four divisions, two wild cards. Yeah, so
0: it's all come yeah. down. It's all Eddie Pinero's fault. You know, <laughs> he'd have made that field goal that. He didn't. So it won't, well, Once that, again, Nagy could just spend an entire offseason yeah. ignoring all of the real problems and just obsess about the kicker, because that worked so well last time. A kicker that they knew, I mean, Cody knew he was cut when he was walking off the field. And a, a normal, well, this it's the Bears, a, a normal professional football team would have simply not talked about the kicker because that decision was made and they would focus on the other things that they needed to improve but not the bears they spent an entire offseason wallowing in in the kicker so that was fun that was the first real sign that this is going
2: to be that this coaching staff is a problem so it'll be awesome when the bears actually look good for a few weeks and march to a 9 and 7 record. and then we can point back to that San Diego game probably above all is the uh, one that, that will haunt them?
1: Well, I don't know. Or I kind of believe
0: they're not. They're not.
1: Yeah, CD, or, the, or the game they lost at home by a touchdown to Green Bay, where they ran the ball seven times <laughs> against that has now allowed. Yeah. I think I read that they they've allowed 150 rushing yards in seven games.
0: Well, yeah, and the Bears. The reason the Bears didn't know that the Packers had a shitty rush defense was they didn't try. Yeah, so they they couldn't have figured it out because they never ran the ball.
2: So Did you say se- seven carries against the Packers? Yeah, I think it was. I think the I
1: think the play calling was fifty-two to seven in that but,
2: game. But that that was even that's not even the low bar, right? Wasn't it only five against it, yeah, um, it was, Philadelphia?
1: It was only, and there's was only six against the Saints. I think it was Saints the Saints game.
2: Okay. Yeah. So. Glad to see he learned his lesson.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's a real he's real adaptable, our guy. Um. So, anyways, should we? Uh, speaking of our our quarterback, not that we were, but we were before. Now, do, do we want to talk about that that fabulous Tribune article that went into more detail than you could ever have really wanted for your own mental health? Regarding <laughs> The decision to take <sighs> Mitch over, and I guess the most interesting thing about that article is that it was the decision. It was really just the decision to take Mitch over Mahomes because apparently the motherfuckers never even considered Watson, didn't even look at him. No, so that was that to me was the most interesting because you know I I do I do think it's fair or it's a little unfair when people say directly that they took Trubisky over Mahomes because as everyone likes to point out, nobody just about. Pretty much nobody had Mahomes as the best quarterback in that class. He was not even considered a top ten pick. Now, granted, I would like to say that you know mock drafts and fans having not having the right read on Mahomes is very different than the people who actually yeah. do this for a fucking living. Not have. but I'll still, I'll give them that one. Watson was the guy I wanted. Was the guy I said that they'd be stupid not to take. Was the guy who was the the real decision between him and Mitch. And they never even fucking had a meeting with him. They didn't work him out. So that that's gonna haunt me forever.
0: They, uh, it, it really seems like the the tipping point for Mitch was they liked the '97 Camry that he drove. They thought, yeah, that they liked it. The- somehow grounded him, and then of course there was the when he they had him make the reservation at the steakhouse, and he used James McMahon as the name of the reservations was under. And this is the kind this this is the way that we're picking um and then the irony that the only time John Fox ever had a ever had a decent thought was he had Watson right ahead hit a Trubisky and of course they they were at the point where they weren't listening to him anyway, which I don't really blame them for. He was a moron. But uh they made the pick without him knowing that they were going to pick Mitch. But so, was-
1: here's and here's another thing that pisses me off, though. Why was John Fox not fired before 2017? Right? Yeah, was- you, if you know your, if you know one, you're getting rid of your head coach, and you yep. know two, this is the draft where you're you're targeting a quarterback. Why the fuck are you not hiring your head coach that's going to be that quarterback's coach and having his input on the process? Because, I mean, even if you think Mitch is going to be the best, you know, the best fit for for the best NFL quarterback, you don't know what offense you're going to be running in a year. Now, granted, you you can then try to hire a coach that you can tailor to the quarterback, but obviously we know that has not been a flawless transition. So I just, I've never understood it, and I still don't, if you knew John Fox was a dead man walking and you and it's, I mean, I understand situations where you have a coach who's a dead man walking I don't understand wasting a year, maybe the most critical year of your quarterback's development with that guy and not having the guy who is going to be that player's coach full-time being part of the the process that picks that quarterback. You know, it's... I tricked myself into thinking the Bears had, had maybe... had maybe gone too far down the analytics role when they picked Trubisky because if you look at certain indicators, completion percentage, adjusted yards per attempt, you know, interception percentage. There was a, a, a slight statistical case that you could make that Mitch had the best numbers in the categories that tend to translate the best to the NFL. So I thought maybe that was the case. Maybe they'd run the numbers. A little bit much, but then you find out that actually, no, it was the, the fucking – he looks good in gene Quote from Moneyball. Well, that, that was the problem. I have a question like that. about that.
2: Then that's an interesting point that you raised, Kyle. When you talk about you know maybe they went too you know too much on the analytics side. How, what what data did they have to go off of, and you know from an analytical statistical perspective, other than thirteen games, right? And well, what was statistically, unless you're talking about combine metrics, but. Well, that was I the mean, that was the red flag because
1: if you go if you were to just if you were to just compare his his rate that Mitch ranked pretty well as a prospect he had the kind of numbers that usually but but don't always but still only thirteen well, games though but still he only had thirteen games and in the last I want to say the last twenty five years there had only been I think um, two or three guys that had been drafted with fewer college starts now one of those was Keeley Smith. One of those was. I'm trying to think who was the other one-year starter that had, that went really poorly in the NFL.
2: Another bust, I'm assuming. There was another bust, and then there
1: was. Now the third guy, though, was was Cam Newton, who had one of the best rookie seasons wow. of all time. So I mean, it's it was such a small sample size that you know it. it okay. And and it, and it's really in the case of a guy like Achilles Smith, you know, I pointed out that nowadays I would hope. Although I guess Josh Allen proves me wrong, that guy wouldn't even really be drafted in the first round because Akili Smith only completed like fifty-two percent of his passes in college. He made a lot of big plays, but he was not a good passer even in college. So I don't think his his lack of experience was the problem there. So I understand over, I understand convincing yourself that the lack of experience is not as, or that the lack of reps is not that important based off of the data. But really, to read that article and find out that the data had absolutely fucking nothing to do with it. Just in if, and, and here's the thing, if you talk yourself into drafting a guy based off of his intangibles, which is what they did, then how is the guy you draft sure. not the one who went thirty two and three as a college starter and won the national title? Like if you're if you're willing to overlook stats and, and even physical ability to, to pick the guy you think is a born winner, how do you not choose the guy who won?
0: I mean, it, it really seems like it boiled down to, it was completely anti-analytic. It was, Good face. Deshaun Watson doesn't have a strong enough arm, and Patrick Mahomes is in that crazy offense that never produces an NFL quarterback. So, they, it was complete confirmation bias, where Mitch was the guy that Pace wanted all along and could easily dismiss the other two guys out of stuff that turned out to not be important at all. Um, and then it's infuriating to keep reading in this thing. And I know they do it because he said it all the time was he was looking for his Drew Brees because he'd been in pace had been in New Orleans and he wanted Drew Brees. I mean, unless Mitch was a high school tennis champ with a hairy mole on his face. I don't know how you would what would anything he did ever remind you of Drew Brees, who if anybody should have reminded you of Drew Brees, it would have been Deshaun Watson, the guy who threw the ball. You know, um, you know, who got lots of reps in over multiple seasons as a starting quarterback. I mean, that was that was how Breeze convinced, and Breeze was only a second-round pick, that was how he convinced the NFL that he was worth a shot, was there was so much tape on him at Purdue that it was hard to deny that, well, if nothing else, the guy can really throw the fucking football, where with Mitch, there was no evidence of it, unless you were really excited about watching him lose the Sun Bowl to Stanford, and then we get the weird story about how Pace bought a ticket, and went to the game to sit in the stands, and like wore a big hat that he yanked down over his face so nobody could see him. He had the third pick in the draft. Who? How many teams was he really worried about knowing that he liked Mitch? I mean, as it turns out, nobody else did—at least not enough to move up to in front of him. He could have—he could have gone to the game with an, I love, with an "I love Mitch" shirt, and it wouldn't have mattered.
1: Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was just really like you know, there like I said, I I I had run the numbers myself and there was an argument for him that obviously has proven flawed. And the the one conclusion I've come to when running the numbers and stuff like that is that statistics in college are not a great indicator of future success. They are a fantastic indicator of future failure. Because I mean you, you don't find too many guys who way overperform bad college stats in the NFL. You find a lot of guys who don't any, do anywhere near in the NFL what they did in college. So you know, there's there's really a, a limit to how useful they are. But I still, I, I could have lived with it if they had said, you know, our analytics team crunch all this data and they said that you know these numbers were most indic- indicative of future success. This was our guy because of it. It would have stung, but I'd have been like, at least there was a process. But then you find out that it was just. Just straight-up meatball shit. I mean, it reminded me of Phil Emery supposedly hiring Mark Tressman over Bruce Arians because Tressman did better in a mock press conference. Like, that's... Well,
2: Arians wouldn't even do the mock pre- press conference, I no, believe. He just wanted the book, would you he's, like, he's like, I, I just basically led a team to the playoffs, like when yeah. Chuck Pagano he got was, sick.
0: he was the Bruce Arians was the NFL coach of the year.
2: Yeah, he was the coach of the year. So <laughs> he didn't need to do the stupid press conference.
1: I no, think really it story was story about uh about Steve Spurrier. That's always been one of my favorite stories. And uh if you remember, they fired Florida fired Zook, I think, at the same time that, that Washington fired Spurrier. So Spurrier was was available when Florida was rehiring him. <sighs> Uh, at that point, Florida had a new athletic director. It wasn't the same one who had been there when Spurrier uh, was there. And when Spurrier talked about getting his old job back, the, the athletic director literally asked him for a resume. <laughs> and Spurrier supposedly looked oh, at yeah. Desi and said, I, I oh, did. look at the- and said, "Go look at the fucking trophy case." <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's nice, Steve. But I need to have you speak with HR. Yeah, so
1: that,
2: uh, that,
1: that's what <laughs> that always reminded me of. With Bruce Arians refusing to do the, pre- the mock press conference, it's like, "Go look at the fucking trophy case." Are
0: you shitting me? I did think but, it was funny in the article when they were tra- they were they were showing how and you, Kyle, you just alluded to it about the draft experts. Most of them had Mitch ranked as the as the highest rated quarterback, but they threw in the line about Mike Mayock. Had Deshaun Kaiser number one, and then and then and then after he did his homework before this is when he was still working on NFL Network, he reordered it and he had I think he had Watson he went Watson Trubisky he moved Kaiser down to four or five, and so I'm sitting there reading it and I'm like I think he has Deshaun Kaiser, and he does. He's the third-string quarterback for the Raiders, <laughs> so it's like, well, Mike Mayock finally got his guy. Congratulations, <laughs> enjoy that, Mike. That's- you know,
1: I can't, I can't laugh at Mayock too much though, because that draft class he's actually put together for the Raiders is actually pretty good. So, as you know, I, I, it, it kind of hurts to laugh at the Raiders anymore, right? Because I
2: think uh, reversal
1: of fortunes.
2: Right, I think because the last podcast we did after a victory uh the rules were quite reversed we were already you know doing everything we could to keep from pointing and laughing at them at that point and uh boy everything's uh kind of gone upside down since it's done
0: well i think the thing people and i'm i'm one of them kind of forgot about john gruden especially after all those years of him doing his weird yeehaw act on monday night football and the way it ended in tampa is he's a good football coach And he will actually take the personnel that he's got and figure out a way to make it work the best he can, which is how he was able to beat the Bears without a wide receiver, and and he's just done other things. You know, he does the stuff that there's no way Nagy would possibly think of doing, because Nagy's got his precious little offense that he has to run the way he wrote it out on that stupid laminated card, and he's not going to mess with it, where... (laughs) Gruden, at some point during a game, be like, oh, fuck it, this isn't going to work. So we're just going to run. We're gonna, we've got four plays we can run. We're just going to run these four plays over and over again. Where, you know, that Nagy would not do that. So part of, um, part of what the Raiders have going is they have a functional coach and general manager where the Bears do not. That sounds nice.
2: A functional coach and GM.
0: So I also thought it was funny in here where he talked about the one guy, the one general manager who was convinced that Patrick Mahomes was the guy to take. And not only was it a guy in Kansas City, but it was a guy who played with Nagy at Delaware, <laughs> Brent Veach, who was, I don't know what John Dorsey's title was, but um, Veach was technically the general manager, although I think him and Dorsey made the pick together. Uh, so <laughs> when Nagy talked about I've I've thought this all along. I mean Nagy is he's he's wedded to Mitch for better or worse. And you know he talked about well we really thought highly of Mitch and blah 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 blah. When you read this, it looks like the the Chiefs never considered Mitch um at all. They were it was Mahomes or nobody.
2: And Well that, they probably figured and, he'd be gone though, in fairness, right?
0: Well I don't know, they traded I mean, they 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 didn't trade all the way up, but they traded up to get more. Oh, That's right. My bad. Um, so it's it struck me that you know people act like you know Nagy took the only head coaching job he was going to get offered. Certainly that off season and maybe ever. You know, coming off the disastrous playoff loss that was mostly pinned to him, he was going to say he was going to say whatever he needed to say to get the job. And then he once he got the job. You know, he's, it's the same thing. He's got a quarterback, and he's got to try to make it work. So this whole idea that, well, you know, he left Mahomes to go to Mitch because, you know, A, it was a head coaching job, but B, Mitch, you know, he just loved him. I I think that's bullshit. I think it was, I want that job, and that's the guy I've got, so I've got to figure out. I might as well talk him up because he's my quarterback.
1: You know, and the the other thing from that article is, you know, I, I, I've been on the fence about, Pace and, and keeping Pace. Because if if Mitch busts, do you let Pace have the chance to pick his replacement? And, and you know, people had made the argument um, you know, well, look, he's, he's drafted a great roster. There's a ton of talent on the roster. He's, he's obviously done a good job at everything else. Um, you know, don't you think he, he should get a mulligan on that? But that article pretty much solidified that, no, he's got to go. It's, I don't think you can if, if this, t- and I don't think they will fire him unless the season really goes to shit, I and mean, maybe they they end up four and twelve. But I, if that's the fucking process that went into picking the last quarterback, I don't know how the hell you let that guy pick the next one. I don't know how, like, unless he's higher, I, I would need to know who the coach. Is. I mean, and I, I guess maybe if Nagy was so great, he did think Mahomes was the best in that draft. Maybe you let Maggie, Maggie pick the next guy. Which doesn't really fill me with warm fuzzies no. either, but I sure I as hell, know. I sure as hell don't let Pace anywhere near picking another quarterback. I just don't. I don't know if he needs to hire Ernie Acorsi <laughs> and have him come in and pick him for him or what. But I, you don't ever let that guy pick another fucking
0: quarterback. You just don't. That can can way, Ernie can Ernie draft John Elway again? Yeah, is I mean, that allowed? He'll have to trade him, but can he can he draft him again?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you if you let a fucking Toyota Camry wait. back into the
2: season at all, fuck off. All right. For, wait know? for for my sense of history. It was Ernie Acorsi the Baltimore GM, who drafted he Elway was. and then was forced to trade him. Is yes. that is, is that Ernie I did not Corsi know that was the GM for the Colts when they
1: drafted Elway and had to trade him to the Broncos, and then he was later the GM for the Giants when they traded. Yeah, the right? So he was on both okay. sides of. Uh,
0: one of those situations. Okay. He, he also was a uh he had the Ned Coletti route to general manager. He started off as a PR director. Really? Ended up as a general manager. Yep.
2: There's still hope for you Andy. With
0: a, with a terrible toupee. Just god awful. <laughs> Just like Ned. So I don't have a toupee. Um I'm willing to shave my head and get one, but I don't currently have one. <laughs> no. <laughs> Too I mean bad. I, so close. <laughs> I agree with that that it's you know they're not gonna they're not firing pace, they're not firing Nate. Um and no. but I also agree that, that I was will, I'm very uncomfortable. And they're gonna obviously if you keep pace, he, he gets to draft. You know, if you keep the general manager and go, by the way, you don't get to pick a quarterback. You've gotta have got to got to job that out. Um But Oh man <laughs> part of Pace's problem has been you know he's one thing that you know people ad, admire him for is that he makes up his mind on a pick and he does what he takes on a guy that he wants to pick and he does whatever it takes to get that guy, but without fail, most of the guys I guess I shouldn't say without fail most, but most of the guys he's traded up for haven't worked out. So he's wasted picks to move up to get guys, and it's always and most of them have been dubious about whether he needed to trade up. You know, he claimed that the Giants were going to take Leonard Floyd, so he had to get in front of the Giants. And he thought some mystery team was going to cruise up to two to get Mitch. And so not only does he get the picks wrong, but he he then costs himself other picks. And where good general managers move the other direction, they identify guys of value and they try to figure out how they can pick up as many extra picks as possible. He's the one guy who they can count on getting picks from. And now he's sitting there without a first round pick. And they're going to they're going to need a quarterback. And so a savvy general manager would sit in the second round and try to figure out who how to maximize that. He's going to try to throw a trade together to somehow sneak into the first round to take somebody who is going to be just as underwhelming as the guy we've got now. So I can't wait for draft night. This is going to be great.
1: Well, and um, I've seen some, some annoying takes where people are like, you know, knowing in hindsight now what Mitch is going to be, obviously the Bears shouldn't have traded for Khalil Mack. And, no, the Mac trade in a vacuum is fine. The Mac trade, yes, they gave up a lot for him, but the Mac trade is not the reason they have no draft capital. It, it, like you said, it's, it's trading up yeah. for Leonard Floyd, trading up for Trubisky, trading up for Anthony Miller, trading up for David Montgomery. Those are the things that... That deprive you of the picks you need to build that depth around a Khalil Mack. Trading up, trading for a guaranteed star is not a bad move. No. But trading up and whipping on those other dudes, it, that's that's what killed you as an organization. That's what put you in this, in this fight.
0: Right, and some so, of it has been chasing their tail. Like They had to trade up to get David Montgomery because their first pick in that draft was in the middle of the third round or towards the end of the third round, and they wanted him, and where had they been a normal team that had most of their draft picks, they could have just picked him at the end of the second round. They couldn't do that. So then they had to make a trade to get him, because they had previously made a trade to get rid of a pick that they needed to try to get him, and you're right. I mean, you know, a a savvy front office is ready to pounce on a deal like Khalil Mack, because how would you possibly make that trade 100 times out of 100? But doesn't have all the other needless trade-ups that have already cost you picks in the past. That's you know that's where it hurts. It's not in, you know, Paster deserves a lot of credit. He did the thing that the Packers wouldn't do and, and some other teams wouldn't do. He threw in the other pick to get the deal done, and he got a great player. But that doesn't make up for all the other times when he threw picks in for guys that didn't deserve to have an extra pick thrown in. So. And there will, I'm sure we will hear guys talk about how well you know they need to get a need to get a quarterback. Maybe they could trade Khalil Mack and get and get <laughs> some draft capital. It's like yeah, it doesn't work that way. I mean, you got Khalil and you gave him the big contract, and honestly, as soon as you traded him, then the next year you'd look at your defense and go, "Yeah, we could use a Khalil Mack. That would have been nice." <laughs> at some point, you have to stop trading up, and you have to just make pick the best players you can get with the picks you have and get back to where you have all your draft picks again. You can't just keep doing it. Although I guess if you're Ryan Pace and you figure, one more bad year and I'm fired,
2: then screw it. Trade them all. It seems to feed into Pace gets an upset. He blocks everything else out. You know, I want that guy. Okay, I I don't trust he's going to be available. I'm gonna I'm gonna move, move move some pieces here and I get him. Well, what it and or two gambler, you know, throwing good money after bad. You know, you, you start chasing. Well, what it feels like is a guy who
0: who can't evaluate a depth of talent to where it's like, okay, well, this is who we've got here, and if that guy's there, we want him, but. Here are our two fallbacks. If we can't, if we, if the, if the price to get up to get him is too expensive, he doesn't fall to us. You know, it's almost like, the, yeah, he probably gets obsessed with guys, but he also, I think, probably doesn't have confidence in. Okay, we think this guy is is number is is our number one priority. They don't have confidence in what either one A or one B is going to be. You know, but this is a, this is a team that just had to have Adam Shaheen. For some reason, oh, nobody else was going to pick him anywhere near where they picked him,
2: and he's been worthless. Um, I believe I read, I heard last week that is it George Kittle, the San Francisco tight end? You know, he, he was banged up and didn't play last week. He was drafted after Shaheen, so there's another one. I don't know if you guys can confirm that, but I heard it. I heard it on the radio, so it must be true. Sounds right. Well,
0: you can, you know, you can throw a wet diaper at the wall and hit a. Iowa tight end that would be useful so he didn't need to pick a guy from fucking Ashland or wherever Shaheen was but that was that was Pace being you know that was him being a genius and we see how that has worked out
2: um, but wouldn't Kittle, wouldn't Kittle look nice on that offense oh, man second round pick I mean he's about to get caught Shaheen he was a healthy scratch last week right
1: probably the most worthless I'm trying to think if there's a, a more useless first or second round pick the Bears have had in my life. I, don't I
2: know. think it'd be perfect if he never played another snap for the Bears so the last time he ever touched a football was would, would have been when he completely snuffed out whatever remote chance the Bears had staging a ridiculous comeback um, in the Eagles game two weeks ago. When he just completely paint on the uh, on the uh, the short kickoff at the end of the game, <laughs> can't pick it up, he kicks it, and then he fumbles it. So I think that'd be a fitting end. So who is a
0: better pick, you think, uh, Adam Shaheen or John Allred? <laughs> you
1: know, hey, John I, All- feel
2: like,
0: I feel <laughs> that's
1: like that's gonna just uh, lead uh, us right because, back into because at least he Sorry. wasn't a fucking. He didn't play at what Northwest Abilene Community
0: okay. College. Where the, where the fuck yeah, is he? USC, right? All right, yeah, to Shaheen USC, was, and he's John Lynch's brother-in-law. said said Asheville. Yeah, Ash- Shaheen is right, the
1: ultimate. The ultimate. Look how fucking smart I am. Mm-hmm. Pick. He just, that's exactly it was, what it was.
0: <sighs> that was. You know, you. That's a guy that you. That's a guy you put on the list, and you know that because you figure you were one of three teams to have actually scouted him. You don't need to take him in the second or third round. You know, you get right. him later, and then you're like, oh, look at this. This is going to be great. This is like having an extra second-round pick. But when you take him in the second round, it doesn't become an extra second-round pick.
2: That's your second-round pick. So, And
0: by the way, uh,
2: George Kittle went in the fifth round of that draft. <laughs> um, so there you go. F- Shaheen was the fifth tight end taken.
0: So, uh, one other thing about about the Lions game that we talked about before we went on was the uh, exciting uh, offensive line swap where um, Cody Whitehair is back at center now and um, still cannot actually snap the ball in the air to Mitch, which is a little bit of a problem.
2: <laughs> is that a problem for a team that goes for out the shotgun 98% of the time?
0: Well, like... You know, they, so they've got the quarterback who can't take a direct snap and then they have the center who can't shotgun snap. But other than that, any other kind of snap <laughs> that you want to do, they're good. They should have actually cool. Cody should do the thing like um in when you play touch football in the backyard and when you snap the ball, you just kinda like you stand at the side of the ball and you just kinda lean over right. <laughs> and you just flip it. He should just try that. Okay? Right, you're
2: more perpendicular to the line with, of scrimmage. Aaron Donald
0: kind of... lined up right over him. He's just standing up, holding the ball. Like, yeah, just a second. Here. I'm just going to toss this to Mitch, and then I'll get to blocking you here in a second. Why not? I can't do any worse. It's funny because I didn't realize, I didn't realize they had switched centers until I saw the, Cody's first rolling snap. And I went, hey, it's Cody. I knew without looking as soon as I saw the ball rolling Cody's on the grass, I'm like, ah, Cody's playing center again. And sure enough, he was.
1: I have a. One of my friends thinks that Mitch actually plays better with white hair as the center because he has so little time to recover from the bad snap that he doesn't overthink things.
0: Well, maybe. So, and, I like that. and maybe we should, <laughs> we should analyze the snaps. Maybe. the. Maybe Cody does it on purpose when it's a play where he knows Mitch is just going to throw the ball to Allen Robinson. And so he's like, all right, I'm just, fuck this guy. I'm going to roll this back to him. And then he's going to have to roll out one direction or the other. And then maybe he'll actually have to make a read. So I'm just going to roll it to him instead. Instead of his predetermined, I'm forcing it to Allen no matter what. Although
2: Mitch is still going to force it to Allen no matter what. Right. That's true. (laughs) Even if he rolls out. He's going to find him somewhere. He's going to find that whoopee. He's going to find that security blanket. Mitch has asked
0: uh, the NFL if Allen could wear a different color jersey than all the other players, just to make it easier for him to find the one guy he actually wants to throw the ball to. So far, he's, <laughs> he so did, far they have denied that.
2: Um, I, I just want to make a reference to one play. Mitch threw a nice pass to a receiver not named Allen Robinson and it was Gabriel and I don't remember the sequence but as early in the game. It was a beautiful pass. And it was like the first time all year that he actually hit a guy in stride. I know that the receivers have made much of a defense or NFL receivers. They're a little bit sort of you know, hitting him flat footed or a little bit behind them. Uh, he, but, boy, he led Gabriel on a beautiful throw, and it might have been third, third down. And Gabriel just dropped it, and I just go because I'm like, wow, why can't he do that all the time? Do that all the time, they're going to catch it.
0: Well, it doesn't surprise um, me that Taylor would have thrown it. Wanna... Dro- it doesn't surprise me Gabriel would have dropped a well-thrown pass from Mitch. Uh, I mean, that, it, when Mitch actually hits you in the hands, it handcuffs you because that's the last place you expect <laughs> the ball to come. It's like, holy <laughs> shit, he hit me <laughs> right in the hands with I mean that's we know that's why they, Montgomery they dropped it. the screen pass two weeks ago. Was because Mitch <laughs> right. actually hit him in the numbers with it and he wasn't before. ready for that. He's like, Oh, it's either gonna be at my shoe tops or over my right. head.
2: Their so. their default hands position is to like instinctively throw them behind their like if they're if they're if they're running to their left, they're throwing their hands kind of behind them just in anticipation of the ball being thrown behind them. So yeah, any accurate pass from Mitch is is basically like a cross up from a pitcher to a catcher.
0: It's the one place you don't expect the ball to go, so that's what happens.
2: And the only, the only exceptions are any, you know, fly routes where he's guaranteed to throw it about 25 yards. He, he just can't calibrate, you know. He throws it 30 yards past the receiver that's 40 yards on the field or, you know, four yards behind the guy right in front of him. All right, so the Bears are playing Sunday night.
0: It's... Uh, one of the last games before uh, NBC is allowed to flex out of games. <laughs> so they couldn't avoid this. Yeah. They had to take the Bears and the Rams. Uh, it's in L.A. And the Rams are, according to the Westgate Superbook, the Rams are six-and-a-half-point favorites. So this is the first time the Bears have been a significant underdog. They've been a favorite in all but one game this year, which is sad. It just shows that Nuts. Vegas knows that uh, they can make money by... Trying to entice people to bet on the Bears, um, so six and a half for the Rams. Um, this is uh, a couple of fringe NFL NFC playoff teams or playoff hunt teams. Uh, the Rams, of course, played in the actual Super Bowl last year, um, which seems like a distant memory now. But uh, so, what do we think? Six and a half for the Bears. <sighs>
1: I'm uh, I'm gonna say the Rams win, but I will, I will take the points for the Bears. I don't think they win by six and a half. I'll go say Rams seventeen, Bears fourteen.
0: All right, so that is also that. Uh, so thirty-one would be under the over/under is forty. So you've got the Bears covering and the under.
2: Yeah, that's what I got. I'm inclined to co-sign with Kyle. I, uh, six and a half is a pretty large number for the way the Rams have been playing. And, you know, if they do it, then maybe that's a sign that they're starting to turn things around. If they don't do it, the Bears have a chance to win. And, yeah, you know, shit, crazier things have happened. I don't see the Bears winning the game, though, but it'd be pretty pretty crazy if they did. <laughs> but, um, yeah, 16-13 Rams. They win, they don't cover.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was ready to uh, um, think that the Rams had gotten their their offense kind of back together until they went and lost to the Steelers 17-12. to yeah. um, So I'm going to jump on the uh Bears cover but lose and I I think you can pound that under cuz uh unless uh, both defenses start some kind of scoring spree this is kind of the opposite of the super entertaining Sunday night game or well, I guess it was a Monday night game last year right Rams and Chiefs that was 54-51 this one might be uh, uh was
2: it Monday night? I can't remember.
0: I think we got the uh, full booger Witten Tessator experience for that game That's the one that was supposed to be in Mexico But the uh, The field was uh, was Unplayable So they ended up in the Coliseum Where the field was just slightly more playable It's funny because I didn't know you could Like the NFL would refuse To play games on bad turf I don't know how have the Bears Been able to host a game since they went to grass But uh, apparently (laughs) Apparently that's a thing I will give the park district credit. the The painted grass has looked, or the painted dirt so far this year has looked very nice.
2: Yeah, I haven't even noticed it actually. I no. mean, in fact, I haven't noticed it for for a few years now. For a while, that really was a thing.
0: Yes, they may have actually figured the the turf out finally. Took them a while, but. Uh, and then the whole reason that they refused to go to field turf was because they, um, they it wouldn't be able to have, uh, like top flight soccer on it. <laughs> it's like, what? So much of that happened. That was the excuse they gave.
2: Wait, was, soccer doesn't play, they don't play soccer anywhere on field turf? I, I swear I've seen my, when my little, when my son was playing, playing soccer.
0: Was, well, yeah, kids do. The, Years. It was a huge, okay. it was like a huge, not scandal, but it was a huge deal when the Women's World Cup was in Canada. Most of the fields were field turf, and uh, oh, the and everybody <laughs> bitched about it, because it's so much Different to play on fake grass than on real grass, hmm.
2: because the for ball, soccer players, but, ball, but not the, but not football or baseball players.
0: Well, the ball is not rolling along the grass in football unless unless Cody Whitehair is snapping it. Um, <laughs> that's a good point, <laughs> I guess. Okay, so that's why they complain about it. But I just love, and now now the fire is moving back to Soldier Field. So okay, they, but now like, they'll I, always have an excuse why they, why they can't about, it. What field
2: about? What uh, about? So I, I don't remember this hue and cry in 1994 when the United States hosted the World Cup, and they had games at the at the concrete green cart Soldier Field, not to mention the Silver Dome in Detroit. And I would think that the um, I think that the difference between grass and the old school artificial turf. Would would produce a pretty significant difference in the lag of the ball.
0: Well, here's maybe they did. Next week I we're going to have care. special guest Willie Roy is going to be on, and uh, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk soccer on astroturf because I'm sure they had to play on the astroturf when well, I'm sure the NIU Husky soccer team when he was the coach. Yep. Um, yep. Played played in Husky Stadium on that god awful painted cement. So we'll have Willie Roy on, yep. and he can explain to us why. Uh, or it could just be the park district has been lying and they don't they never wanted to put field turf in in the first place and they said no 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 we we'd never get any of these uh top notch uh visiting soccer stuff and it was supposed to be for a uh if the world cup ever oh. came back Appa- maybe that was the right. thing maybe after the disasters That's... of 94 they're like we're not doing this shit anymore you have to have grass if you want to host one of these games i know i just know that was one that- of the reasons
2: Sure. I, all right. I just wonder like, do they really host that many soccer games? I mean, there's a professional They'd... soccer stadium in the southwest suburbs.
0: Well, but they're mov- The fire is moving to Soldier Field. They're ditching the Bridgeport. Oh, they're coming I back. Did not know that. Yeah. Jesus
2: Christ! That stadium's only ten years old. Yep. Or so. fifteen, maybe. Wow. Well, it sucks to be a taxpayer in Bridgeview. I guess. Sounds like they probably got stuck holding the bag.
0: Oh, Well, all right. So that concludes soccer talk for another week. Um, <laughs> football, football—it's all football of some sort. This, this, the one where you wear more plastic and run into each other, is a little more fun to watch. So, uh, so all right. Yeah, I so, did find it hard to me. Go ahead. No, I was going to wrap it up here. Um, so, the Bears clinging to the clinging to relevancy for hopefully at least one more week. And um, we'll see how I'm do. I'm not sure if I'm hoping for that or not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I want them to win, I guess. But, like, if you're – if you make up your mind now. Either you're going to go on a run here and make the playoffs or just end it now. Maybe.
0: Well, I, I feel like we're at a spot where, <laughs> a, a, we're all Bears fans. It's more fun when they win than when they lose. But there, there is – I don't think there's any immediate benefit to them losing. Because I don't think it's gonna get the general manager or the coach fired and they've screwed up their draft pick so much that it really doesn't affect who they're gonna be able to get. So it's like just win because any of the ancillary benefits of losing you've already given away. Yeah, they're
1: already gone. So
0: just win the damn games. So other
1: than other than freeing my Sunday afternoon to do something else. So that that would be the one answer. Right, but
2: it'd be a hell of a thing it'd be a hell of a (laughs) thing if they actually win. Which means that they're not going to be knocked out until December, if they do get knocked out, or who knows? I mean, it's so hard to actually, you know, hit your wagon to the star because of there's nothing even in their victories that you know this year. I mean, what 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 clean victories have they really had? Washington and Minnesota? That's about it. They they fell ass backwards into so the Denver win. They did so half of them, and then last Sunday they did you know. Uh, they did their darndest to give it away. So obviously, you know, anybody, if you're a betting man, which I'm not, but there's no way you're putting money on them turning it around, there's no way you can see it happening. But you, there's also no way that you could actually say 100% with certainty that it can't. So who the hell knows? Uh, you know, maybe they <laughs> they kick the hell out of the Rams, they turn it on. I mean, it would be one hell of a thing if this team – considering all the missteps that they've had on the field and off the field, all the lack of organization that seems to flow from this team, all of a sudden just managed to legitimately put it together. I mean, it's, it would be one of the most amazing things. So, well, But uh, who's to say it's impossible?
0: Didn't you see Matt Nagy's PowerPoint? They can be the <laughs> Washington Nationals. That's right. Ugh. But, you know, this is, this, <laughs> this is a big game in that if you win it, and you get back to 5-5, and which is not uh, exciting, but at least it's something, you've got two imminently winnable games after that. And then we're like, hey. But if you lose it, it's probably the final nail in your coffin, regardless of if you get the Giants and Lions after that. You're pretty much screwed.
2: Yeah, I'm in it for the ride. What the hell? Get themselves up to 7-5 and before they get drummed out. It doesn't matter. It just, you know. I don't know. What's to be gained by getting knocked out of this before December? Like you said, they've already kind of given up that game. So, who knows? Entertain us. Damn it. That's right. Just We deserve it.
0: <laughs> Just win. All right. All right. So uh... well, well, we'll see, I guess.
1: All
2: right. Good night, gentlemen. Go Bears.
0: Yep. Thanks, guys.
2: Go Bears. Through thick and thin.